I'm John Mooney and welcome to The Dark State. This podcast is brought to you through the generous financial support of our subscribers on Patreon and Apple Podcasts. If you wish to contribute and gain access to more exclusive episodes, please do subscribe. And now, on with the show. Welcome to The Dark State. This special episode examines the publication of the Irish government's proposals to protect its telecoms network. I'm joined by Dr. Steve Conlon, who will provide expert analysis on this important issue. I'm John Mooney. Welcome to this special episode of the podcast. Dr. Steve Conlon, welcome back to The Dark State. Steve, we're going to talk about a nondescript piece of policy which the Irish government published this week. Steve, mm-hmm. c- can you tell the listeners why these measures are have been introduced and what has prompted them? So they've been prompted because of what's called the EU uh, 5G toolkit. And this was something that was launched in January 2020. And it came about because of increasing pressure to provide clarity around the threats that are inherent in 5G networks. And I use the word inherent intentionally there because the vendor pool for the radio network equipment has been dominated by vendors that some countries consider high risk or untrustworthy because of the authoritarian nature of their country of origin, most notably China, and the alleged shoddiness of the security of the software and equipment that that they're, they're producing. And this has presented a, a serious issue for countries, small countries in Europe, like like Ireland, who had concerns ar- around these high-risk vendors, but couldn't outright ban them, uh, not because their concerns were unfounded, but because countries like China may impose trade sanctions or even worse, engage in hostage diplomacy, and we've seen this time and time again, simply for a country like Ireland flexing its national security muscles and saying, we're going to put our national security before economic uh, considerations and carrier considerations. And so the ECSMs uh, are are, are product of that. Each member state was required to produce a list of measures and and do a risk assessment. And um, as as many of your listeners know, the EU has no competency in national security affairs, but it does have the power and regulations around certain critical infrastructure and market resilience. So the EU came up with this toolbox. And uh, what the ECSMs effectively set out is 10 chapters uh, of a risk assessment of 5G networks, both now and in the future, and a mitigation strategy. So it looks at the physical and environmental risk to network infrastructure, uh, the training of staff, the network management, and who can access what within the network. It outlines measures for what's called signaling plane security and we already have risks in, in our LTE, LTE networks around that, and that's basically the ability to exploit uh, vulnerabilities in a network to track individuals or to engage in elements of financial fraud within the network. It looks at virtualization security, and virtualization is, is, is the move from hardware management of networks to software management of networks, which is a key component of 5G, and making sure that that software is as secure as possible. It looks at network monitoring and incident response where there's an incident, resilience and continuity in reaction to an incident, and then one of the most key 
fundamental elements of that is supply chain security, looking at the vendor, not just simply from a cybersecurity perspective, but their supply chain, their ability to provide uh, replacement equipment and whether or not that supplier, that vendor, can be coerced by their by their home country to engage in espionage or to take down a network or give a backdoor to do so. So, so, uh, do, so, and also, mm-hmm. so these are very, these are very comprehensive. Um, I've certainly read through some of these documents, and they leave no stone unturned uh, from my reading of them. What's your assessment of these? Do you think they've gone far enough, or could they have done more to protect the networks? They're certainly the most comprehensive measures ever announced publicly for the telecom sector, probably in Europe, if not the world. I mean, they send a very strong signal to criminal and hostile entities, vendors and carriers that Ireland is not messing about when it comes to cybersecurity. And look, as your listeners know, we've already had a significant cybersecurity incident in this country that that has potentially cost lives. uh, And our government can't play diplomacy anymore and leave it simply up to industry it's it, it we can't do that anymore these measures as they are outlined and they are publicly available for anyone to read they made a number of statements which certainly astonished me there was talk of cyber criminals attacking ireland there was talk of hostile states um posing a significant threat in the years ahead they spoke about uh, you know, all sorts of criminal national security issues that usually the Irish government doesn't refer to, doesn't acknowledge, and certainly doesn't comment openly on. Were you surprised at that? I was taken aback. I mean, it's a marked departure from the standard lexicon of past national security space publications that we get when we get them. They're rare as it is. Uh, it acknowledges that nation states and foreign intelligence agencies are a threat to telecoms uh, networks. It quotes the EU risk assessment and uses the phrase hostile state actor. And it, it specifically highlights the possibility of a, a hostile state exercising pressure on vendors under its jurisdiction to provide access to sensitive network assets. I mean, this, this, this is the first time I've really seen uh, the National Security Services of Ireland step up to the plinth and say we are at risk, we are a target and we need to mitigate against that Uh, and these are also, I mean publishing it so publicly is also very interesting this is still a consultation document I mean there there will be people making uh, contributions to this but I think it's a very public signal to carriers to tell them that they need to step up and it makes it very clear that carriers have a social economic and a national security responsibility and it makes it very clear that carriers must recognize that they are themselves critical infrastructure and that any vulnerability exploited in their networks by a criminal entity or a hostile state has the real possibility of costing lives in this country and i mean it it even outlines potential scenarios so it 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 makes it it makes it very clear to, to to carriers that the highest level of security is now required in their network architecture, uh, where key critical infrastructure is being serviced by their network. So, example, hospitals, Garda communication systems, water supply systems, electricity generation, traffic management, airports. So th- I'll give you an example of why that's extremely important. So when the 5G ecosystem becomes more realized and we, we see such services utilizing 
uh, what we call network slices. And while it, that's like the inception of telecoms networks, where you have a network within a network within a network, uh, these these individual networks will have their own set of operational rules and standards. So uh, take a high high tech hospital builds a 5G network on its campus. It will have its own set of operational rules and standards. But but they could have the highest level of security. But if the carrier has a lower level of security, the front door might be closed, but the back door is wide open into that network. So if the carrier doesn't start to meet or exceed the standards that its own customers are setting, it is a real possibility. Plus, if those uh, vendors have vulnerabilities in their network, in their, their architecture, their software, their, their hardware, it opens up for critical infrastructure attacks. And that's very important. They've recognized that. And that 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 was a surprise, uh, to be honest. Is there a commercial reason why the government has become so strong on this? I, I was wondering, yeah. is it because there's a gradual recognition that we have a significant problem now with hostile states, that we're not immune from geopolitical issues that countries like China, Russia, Iran, and even North Korea have interests in attacking our systems, and some of their proxies certainly do, uh, and criminals obviously do, um, as we've seen with the HSE ransomware attack. So do do you think that this is the Irish government effectively setting out a stall for future investment to companies that are already based here, saying, we take this deadly seriously, and we are going to... um, make ourselves as resilient as we possibly can? I believe so. Having spoken to people within the national security architecture that we have, having spoken to politicians, there has been an absolute wake-up call. And we've had a come-to-Jesus moment in Ireland with the HSC attack. We have to be honest with that. Uh, We've seen money now being thrown at the National Cyber Security Centre. Money is not just the only thing that centre needs. It needs resources. It needs a strategy that's not just uh, uh, code warriors, but we need we need subject matter experts in key government departments who can liaise uh, with the NCSC to make sure that the national cybersecurity uh, strategy is being implemented across all bodies. There is 100%, I can guarantee you, a commercial economic interest here. I'll give you an example. Is the US uh, two years ago introduced what they call the 5G Clean Networks Initiative. And that was incredibly clear to countries that you must have at least one network in your country that we deem, the United States deems, a clean network that does not have a high-risk vendor in that network. Or there will be consequences in terms of how we allow foreign direct investment into your country on how we diplomatically engage with you, including the possibility of closing consulates and embassies because they could not be confident that they would have secure lines of communications with their staff. Now, that was uh, that went quite under the radar here in Europe, but that was a fact that the U.S. said it's time for countries all across the world that want to deal with the U.S., want to deal with U.S. industry, to, to increase their cybersecurity standards. And when I read through the ECF, uh, the, the, these measures, I see a lot of language, a lot of protocols, processes, and procedures that have been in the United States for years in their critical infrastructure, uh, not just in their critical infrastructure from a commercial point of view, but also in the critical infrastructure from a national security perspective. 
that's just standard operating procedures and we're acting as here in Ireland that this is this is all new to us that's a little scary but I do believe that people in the we have strong talent in the National Cyber Security Centre in the Defence Forces and on Garda Siakana and within within the the, the, the the private sector as well that have welcomed these measures with open arms see them as a very strong positive step to uh, to to prevent hostile actors uh, engaging in both hybrid warfare here because it is you can by ta- attacking critical infrastructure it is an element, there's an element of hybrid warfare involved in that but also it is it is a strong signal to the commercial world that Ireland is a safe and secure or will be a safe and secure place to build your building uh, to build your your business could these measures have gone further is there anything that they should have included but are omitted um, they're an excellent starting point. I, I don't think overall it would be smart, for example, for the, e- the ECSMs to start naming names of vendors that are high risk and, and, and issue a ban saying, I'm going to ban X vendor. That gets you nowhere because what, we, what, what they've presented to us is a roadmap, a, a, a methodology on what is safe and what's not safe. And, and that's very important because because it's not always a single country's vendors that are insecure or not, are not necessarily secure. Um, but the, So they're setting a strong minimum standard expected from our carriers uh, on vendor selection, risk mitigation, network management, etc. And they illustrate the importance of wireless communication both to the economy and national security. So these are all good things. Um, my concerns are these, these ECSMs will operate in a national security environment that is underfunded and in dire need of increased headcount. The national security infrastructure we still have is has very much blurred swim lanes when it comes to cybersecurity in terms of who's actually in charge of what. And I'm still worried that we're going to descend into some level of turf wars amongst some of our agencies over that. And they they also operate, they will operate in a national security infrastructure that has no strategy. We're still waiting. It'll probably be sometime next year to get our national uh, national security strategy. And I have a concern about how that's actually going to be implemented uh, and how these ECSMs will be implemented when there's actually no national security culture in Ireland. Um, so whilst they're comprehensive, I do have a concern that they could be lost in the unfortunate bum fights that our, our security service have a tendency, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't often bubble up into the public sphere, that but the, the tendency to get into over who's in charge of what, and uh, I think the national security strategy, whenever it's released, uh, which still is residing within the Department of Antishuk, uh would provide some clarity to that and empower the National Cybersecurity Centre and these ECSMs. When I think about these issues, I often think that uh, some of the determined hostile intelligence services will go to any lengths to compromise uh, people and uh, gain access to information or networks or IT systems that they wish to compromise. Will these measures prevent issues like that happening? I'm talking about people maybe being compromised or coerced into participating in something that they don't want to, but go ahead because they feel that they've no, no other option. Will will something like this prevent or limit the damage when incidents like that occur? 
Well, I mean, first of all, we have to acknowledge, I mean, you look at uh, the vulnerabilities that have been discovered and attacked on U.S. cyber uh, networks and systems that you would expect to be the most secure in the world, mm-hmm. yet hostile actors have been still able to obtain access. So so the, it's a myth that any network is completely 100% secure, so we have to acknowledge that. Now, technology is making it harder and harder and harder to do that. But your question in relation to potential individuals being compromised I mean, that comes back to my, 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 my other response around our national security architecture and infrastructure. We don't, and, 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 and it's stated in the ECSMs that carriers will be required to do what they call screening of employees who work in critical areas of the carrier. So I, I don't think that's legal in Ireland, and, that, and that's a problem. Well, I mean, what element of screening is actually going to be allowed by an employee beyond ringing the guard, the local guard station and saying, has this guy been in trouble? That's no good to you if the guy doesn't come from the, the Republic of Ireland. Uh, so if, if a, a carrier or a vendor, which actually happens quite a lot, a vendor will supply technicians to the carrier uh, to manage the network because they intimately know the software and hardware and how it actually operates. So how do you screen that individual? Do you just take the, the carrier's word or the vendor's word for it? No, and, and the ECSMs are actually stating that a suitable screening process needs to be implemented. We don't have a proper national security screening process in this country. A guard of vetting is not a screening process. It just tells you whether or not a person has been in trouble or not. And let's be, be honest and frank, if you're a good spy, you don't get in trouble. Well, the, the, other matter, the other matter about this is that some of the intelligence services that are operating in Ireland, uh, they target people who have no issues whatsoever through various means. So uh, whether they're screened or not prior to an appointment in a co- company or a, an engineering firm or a network provider is almost an, an irrelevancy. Yeah, it's a fact. And, and, and a part of that comes down to, again, proper and the ECSMs actually touch upon this, about proper access level authentication. Certain things should not be, uh, certain parts of the network uh, or certain activities on the network or certain buttons that you need to push, like like the good old, uh, I have to say the good old days, but like, like all those movies you watch about launching a nuclear device takes two keys to do it. It needs to take two people to impact a network at a critical level. It can't just be simply one person. Uh, and, you, and, and the EC, ECSMs actually touch on that and say, look, you need to make sure that uh, certain activities require certain levels of authentication, certain levels of approval and mitigation. That's not just one person doing it. So, And that's standard practice in any key um, high-tech environment these days. But I, I do get concerned sometimes that our carriers have become very complacent, not just in Ireland, in many countries, they've become complacent. And uh, that's why I, I, I have to say that the NCSC, the Defence Forces, the Gardaí, the Department of Environment, and all the industry partners that worked on these have done an excellent job. Uh, but we're now into the dark, the dark arts of politics on this, uh, because this needs primary legislation to be, and, and this actually touches upon what you're, what you're talking about, if I can bring in a little bit of segue. Um, we need primary legislation to back these ECSMs up. I'm really afraid of how our politicians could potentially be influenced to water this down. I mean, vendors should not be meeting the Minister for Communications, the Taoiseach, the Taunister, 
whilst documents like this are being drafted or whilst legislation like this is being drafted around high-risk vendors and things. I think that is highly inappropriate. That's happened in the past. Uh, and, I, I, and, and we need to start looking at, as I said, another uh, national security infrastructure that looks at introducing Foreign Agents Registration Act about lobbying for effectively state-owned enterprises and whether or not that should be, should be allowed. We need to look at the, the waiting period for former politicians entering the lobbying sector for, within the critical infrastructure space and whether or not that should ever be allowed. Um, and should there be a lifetime ban on that? And it's not just here in Ireland, it's at the EU level as well. So I, 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 my key concern now, the, the guys in the NCSE have done an excellent job, but now it's in the dark arts of politics behind closed doors where we might in a year's time find out that a vendor through, through, through uh, the, 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 the public lobbying service was was lobbying to get changes done to this this legislation that concerns me greatly um we we it is there's no doubt in my mind that we have politicians in Ireland who are compromised by hostile states um that I have no doubt in my mind that that is the case and uh when when we get into the dark art of politics and the dark arts of legislation writing uh, we haven't seen the heads of the legislation proposed we've seen nothing like that it's a serious concern to me. And I think if we want true kind of centre of excellence standards here that we can hold up to the world, we need to build that architecture around things like the ECSNs, the National Cyber Security Centre, and all aspects of national security. Dr. Steve Conlon, thank you for joining me again on The Dark State, and thank you for your thorough analysis of this new policy.